this is part two of a uh, two-part episode we uh went a little long so we decided to split it into two encourage you to go back and listen to episode one where we really go heavy on the ravens first two preseason games and some initial thoughts uh on, the, on what the 53 man roster might look like and then this episode we really kind of turn our attention to fantasy football and talk a little bit about uh, some draft strategy approaches uh, guys who might be some uh, priority free agents you know you've already drafted your team but uh, there could be some guys still out there on the waiver wire who you could pick up before the season starts and uh, also a shout out to Kerry Stevenson and all the tier videos that he's already done and I think he's still going to turn out one on tight ends but he's done quarterbacks wide receivers running backs you definitely need to go and uh, check those out on the deep cover YouTube channel so um, enjoy but let's let's wrap that part of the show up and let's let's transition over to talking some fantasy football obviously we know people are still um you know having drafts in that fantasy football draft season i know you guys talked about a draft you had recently was an auction draft i've never done an auction draft um you know i'll I'll try to let you guys talk about that a little bit if you want to um but before we get into any any kind of specific topics i I definitely want to remind everybody to to go back to deep cover uh youtube channel and watch all of the um tier videos that Kerry did. He did quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers. Did you do tight ends? Uh, tight ends are coming in the next probably one to two days. So, yeah, be on the lookout for those. Okay. Definitely go back and watch those. And then, like he, like Kerry just said, be on the lookout for the tight end. Um, you explain it in the videos, but I'll, I'll say it here. Uh, if you're preparing for your drafts and you're not using tiers, you're probably doing yourself a disservice. Uh, and I can say that firsthand because I was in a league with these guys last year. I did not use tiers and I got curb stomped. And then this year uh, we had uh, uh, another draft, same league, and I used those tiers. I watched all the videos. I literally took notes and wrote down the different players that he had in the different tiers because, look, you're not going to get this level of transparency in, in the fantasy space in many places for free, right? You're going to have to pay for the content that Kerry's giving you. He's literally giving you his tiers, giving you the players in each tiers. I mean, basically laying it all out for you. And you can do what I did, just take it lock, stock, and barrel and go into your draft and just use it. Just use it as a resource. Use it as a tool. And it's going to help you. Um I'm not saying, you know, the team I drafted is the best team. I don't know. You know, we haven't even played yet. Who knows? But I feel a lot better about the way that roster looks going into the league this year than I did about the roster last year. So highly encourage everybody to do that. And neither one of these brothers will do this, so I'll do it for them because they're, they're, they're much too humble and gracious. But they're two of the sharpest minds in the fantasy space, in my opinion, that are out there. And there's other people with names and platforms and that's all fine and well everybody deserves what 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 they've earned but i think the two guys that i rock with right here i'd match them up against any of those dudes any day of the week just give them a bankroll that's all they need (laughs) give these dudes a bankroll and let them go toe to toe with these other dudes and we're gonna see who come out like lamar said today we're gonna see oh you figured me out i doubt it we're gonna see (laughs) so that so that's how I feel about my guys, Kerry and Chris. But anyway, um, 
Carrie, I'll, I'll start with you. I know you you wanted to talk a little bit about um, what you're calling priority UDFA. So like you've had your draft, uh, you've got your roster, but the guys that are still out there who are available, who you could add to your team. Yeah, definitely, man. And what I've tried to do in recent years is kind of create a list. And then with that list, try to identify some guys that I have a real strong feeling on. And so I'm, I'm meant to, when that first starts, I'm trying to see if I can figure out what their usage usage is in the first half of that game or like, you know, watching them very closely because I want to be able to, to jump out there first and kind of pull the trigger, you know, pretty early on those guys. Um, you know, just some interesting, um, you know, kind of a practice for us to do um so for me a guy i'm looking at and this is a situation where you know if you don't go tight end early and you know you're not feeling great about your tight ends a guy i'm i'm thinking to uh, keep your eye on is uh dan arnold with the panthers so this is a guy signed a two-year uh six million dollar deal with the panthers in the off season um six six four six speed 39 inch vert uh made some plays for the cardinals uh last year especially in a red zone um if you remember he was in new orleans before um and he was there um with joe brady who is now the offensive coordinator with the panthers um so i feel like there's enough there um to just keep your eye on it you know like i said look at that first game um, look at his usage, um, you know, how how much is he on, on the field, specifically, um, you know, how is he being used in the red zone? Because if you look at their receiving or I think red zone, they only had like two touchdowns between um, DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. And so, you know, there, there could be some room for – a guy to, to make some hate in the red zone. I think Terrace Marshall, one of those guys, um, but I think Bono is a guy that they've identified as somebody that can help them specifically in the red zone. So, you know, if you're looking early in that game and he, he's already got four or five targets in the uh, you know first quarters or whatever, you know, maybe he has a couple end zone, red zone targets, and then at that tight end position, you know, you may want to go ahead and pull that trigger early because he's a guy that, you know, could, could you know, bring you some fantasy value. I had to unmute myself. Dog's barking upstairs. <laughs> My bad. Um, <laughs> I think some, some, somebody pulled up in the driveway, got lost, don't know where they are. Anytime you hear a car come up there, he goes crazy. Um, <laughs> I remember Dan Arnold from New Orleans, and uh, I didn't even I, I didn't make that connection that Joe Brady was the OC back there. I wasn't even aware uh, of that, but he he was a guy who I remember who was like, man, they find a way to to use this guy, right, and get the ball. And he's he's got kind of a a unique skill set. He's like a big wide receiver, <laughs> you know, like a real big wide receiver. Yeah. Uh, and and Sean Payton and Joe Brady uh, were, were creative in, in finding ways to get him involved in their passing game and, and, and in the red zone. I can remember some of those plays. So um, that's a good call right there. Chris, 
did you have anybody you were thinking about kind of along the lines of that priority UDFA target? Or did you, and or really, you can do both if you want. Do you want to talk about that auction draft at all? Like, you don't have to get into the specifics. You don't want to talk about your team or, or whatever, but just doing one. I don't know if you've done one before or if that, that was your first one. Yeah, I actually started, I started getting into it um, two years ago. I got into it, and uh, it was a friend of mine. He was telling me, like, we got to do auction, we got to do auction, we got to do auction. I was like, yeah, maybe one day I'll do it. And then I finally did it in 2019, my first year, and I ended up winning the whole thing. So I was like, all right, this auction thing is pretty good. <laughs> but um, it, it's, I like it. You know, it's it's a different a different approach. And you know, there's a lot a lot of studies coming out now about how it's a little bit fairer over snake drafts because uh, when you just look at the numbers, you see when you see people that win, typically they're going they're drafting at the top of the draft. Um, more than the back half of the draft. So they're the guys, you know, getting the first, the second, third pick of the first round. And, you know, that, that's a pretty big advantage. But uh, when when you do auction, you eliminate all of that. And if I love C.D. Lamb, I can make sure I'm getting C.D. Lamb because I know I could go, you know, I'll keep going like Jordan used to when it come, came to betting. Like Jordan's like, I could keep going. I'm not going to run out of money. I could keep going. <laughs> So if there are guys that you love and you truly believe in, you can you can get them as as long as you're willing to pay up. So uh, it's it's a different a whole different strategy, of course. And uh, Carrie and I we just had one on Sunday night, and uh, you know I, I didn't speak to Carrie for a couple of days because we had a, a few little battles in the auction room <laughs> where uh, there would be times where I click I clicked on a player and I see Carrie click and I'm like oh man. Because we would just go back and forth. He got Lamar, he got DJ Moore, and he got Tyler Lockett. And those are three guys that I wanted to walk out of the draft with. And he, he got all of them because he was on his Jordan stuff. And he was like, I'm not going to run out of money, Chris. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, it's it's fun. It's really fun to do. I, I like it. Um, it, it. There's a lot of different strategies out there, a lot of different strategies where you see guys – uh, building really, really top-heavy rosters, and they'll have, you know, the heavy pullers. They'll have, you know, McCaffrey or Dalvin being the anchor of the group, and then they'll kind of just fill in the team as they go with, uh, you know, like $1 bargain guys because at the end of the draft, you always see guys, and you're like, oh, he just went for $2. Like, you know, you'll see a productive player, and he'll be going for two two bucks or something like that. Like, I got... Um, what's the Rams uh, tight end? Uh, Tyler Higby. I got him for two yeah. bucks. Yeah, Higby like for two dollars. Yeah. I said, damn. Like I, I didn't expect that. But when you when you watch everybody's money and you can see like, oh, all right, this guy got a tight end, and this dude doesn't have that much money. All right, let me nominate uh, Tyler Higby, and you end up walking away with a, a great deal for two bucks. Tyler Higby when they're spending money on Gronk for like 20 bucks so it's it's little games like that and it's definitely definitely different than the snake draft snake draft is just you could go in with a set plan because you know who's going to be there in, in the fifth round you know who's going to be there in the sixth round typically speaking but in this one it's no holes barred like you don't know what the hell somebody's going to spend 
on a on a player that they love. Man, it's like you hit that clearance rack with Tyler Higby. I did. Yeah, I don't know you, how. You went to the back of the store and found you like a North Face. <laughs> <that clearance. laughs> like, oh, somebody must have forgot this was back here and they put it back there and try to hide it. I came up. Um, I know our Yahoo League, it was snake draft. It wasn't auction draft, but I got to imagine that feeling of somebody taking a player you really wanted is the same. I mean, I know I had, I, I mentioned I had my, my notes from Kerry's tiers and I prioritized, prioritized the players I wanted to try to get in each tier and kind of in each round too, where I kind of thought that they were going to go. And then watching either you or him take that player before me. <laughs> you know, so we're going through and I'm crossing lanes off as people are, are drafting players. I'm like, okay, my guy, I got like two, three picks before me. Um, you know, my pick's coming up, my guy's still sitting there. And then almost like clockwork, uh, those guys were getting taken uh, one, two, or three picks right before it was my turn to pick. So I imagine with the auction, it sounds like, you know, it, work, it works differently because of the money, but, like, it's that same feeling of, hey, I got I got money to spend. I'm going to spend it on my guy, but then somebody else, they got money too, and they just come in and, <laughs> and they take the guy. Yep. I'm going to have to get into that. It definitely sounds fun. It definitely sounds fun, but I, I'm, like, trying to take baby steps, right? Let me just get my act together in, uh, in, in our Yahoo League. And, and get my head out of this DFS only space <laughs> uh, so that I can actually, you know, uh, be res- respectable in the, in the Yahoo League. Um, Carrie, there was something I wanted to ask you uh, in terms of uh, fantasy. And you talked about this a little bit with your strategy in this auction draft. And even going back to our Yahoo draft, I think I was drafting out of the seventh spot. I think you were a six or five somewhere. Maybe you were a little bit before me. Um, but we both talked about maybe going zero running back out of that spot, just of kind of how you were projecting how the draft would play out from that spot on. I mean, you're kind of looking at those first five, six, seven picks, and they're the running backs, right? They're McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Zeke, you know, guys like that. And you're thinking, well, when I'm on the board at that spot, there might be a back like Saquon Barkley, um, maybe Aaron Jones, even though I don't know if he's going higher um, since A-Rod came back or what. But you also are probably going to be looking at one of the top wide receivers might still be on the board at that point. Your Devontae Adams, your Tyreek Hills, your Stephon Diggs, one of those guys is probably going to be there at that point. So I know you talked about kind of using that wide receiver first sort of heavy approach in your auction draft. You made a good point to me about the volatility of the running back position in terms of injuries. So um, I thought it'd be cool if you could just kind of talk about that a little bit for people who maybe haven't heard it or, or, or haven't thought about it that way. Yeah, so I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, I did a draft um, actually that same night that we did the auction draft and I had the third pick and um, I went Tyree Hill with the third pick. Um, when I looked at when I look at the board, there's McCaffrey, you know, basically in a tier of his own. Dalvin Cook is kind of close, and then the rest of those running backs I like out of them in the first round, but they also look like landmines to me at the same time. And I think when you look at Devontae Adams, you look at Tyreek Hill, and you look at Steph Diggs, 
I think all of those guys are much safer picks, even though people don't view them as safer picks because they're receivers and not running backs. And that's kind of, you know, how long have we been playing fantasy? You know, that's it's one of those things you're always told, you know, make sure you have strong running backs, make sure you have strong running backs. Um, but, you know, these running backs get hurt at a higher um, rate. And then when you're talking about full PPR, these receivers score more points than, than these running backs. Um, so for me, um, you know, when I'm drafting early on in drafts, um, I don't want to take risks. I want um, solid, proven commodities, you know, something that, um, you know, I can count on, something that won't bury me early. If I take um, Alvin Kamara and, you know, they start uh, Taysom Hill and, you know, they're not targeting him in the passing game or he gets hurt or whatever the case may be, my team is probably drawing dead at that point. Uh, but if I draft a receiver and I didn't run next to where I can find a solid one and then maybe I can piece together an RB2 kind of situation where I'm throwing enough darts uh, or playing over wire, I feel like I have a stronger chance. Um, so I think it's just a mindset thing that, that people are so used to gravitating towards running backs. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with them. You know, in that same draft was a 10-team draft. So um, I think when it's lesser teams, I think you have to kind of be more perfect. So in that draft, I took Nixon in the second round um, just to kind of give me – something that running back. Um, so, you know, there's situations where you still take your shots. And I, if you take your shots, you take your shots by swinging big, you know, with the mixin, with the Antonio Gibson, with that ilk, you know, somebody that uh, under the right circumstances could, could score 20 plus points per game. Um, but other than that, I think you, the, the strength of, fantasy to me right now is those receivers in the first four to five rounds and in PPR league. I want as many of those guys as I possibly can get. So that's always, that's been my angle as far as any draft, regardless of where I've been picking from is to get as many of those guys on my team as possible. Try to fill up my flex spots with, um, you know, receivers that, you know, are going to give me nine to 10 targets weekly that, that, you know, to, you know, put up big, big scores. So um, I think people just need to get more comfortable with, um, you know, being active on the waiver wire on what depth chart situations look like, um, you know, knowing what, who the third down backs are, you know, get you a Naheem Hines, get you a JD McKissick, get you a uh, Gio Bernard and, you know, pound these wide receivers, get these top-level tight ends, and, 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 you know, cash in on that PPR format. Yeah, I, I think something interesting you said before we even started recording was is that you could find those league winners on your, on your waiver wire, you know, when it comes to the running back position. But the wide receiver position, you can't really do that. You know, the, it's, it's rare you're going to find a, a guy that's, gonna come out of nowhere because there's so many established 
veteran wide receivers in the league that a, a UDFA isn't just going to come and, and just, you know, put up these crazy monster numbers that we see from a running back like we saw with uh, James Robinson last year. Yeah, he can. Yeah, I was me. listening to somebody. Yeah, ahead, and I, I can't think of who it was. And I apologize to go the person that said this, but they they summed it up perfectly. They said that if if Calvin Ridley gets hurt, Russell Gage doesn't turn into Calvin Ridley. Right. But if Zeke Elliott gets hurt, Tony Pollard turns into Zeke Elliott. And I thought that was a you know a perfect way to sum that up. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. Hey, I'm 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 living proof. Uh I like I said in our Yahoo League, I was picking out that seven spot, and that's the exact strategy that I took. I mean, you know, we gotta we gotta play the games obviously and play through the season, so we'll see. But I took Tyreek, I took Ridley, I took Antonio Brown. And my backs, you know, I didn't get them until later. Chris Carson, Mike Davis, Chase Edmonds, you know, guys like that. But I was like, hey, uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take this this approach that um, you know Kerry laid out because it made a lot of sense to me. I mean, it just was reasonable. It just it made rational sense. So I was like, I'm gonna see if I can't do this. Uh, and like I said, you know, we say we got to play the game, so we'll see how it goes. But uh, uh, it, it just made a lot of sense to me. So. Um, I got one more fancy question I want to hit each of you with before we, we wrap this thing and, and, and get out of here for this episode. Um, we talked a little bit about tight ends, though, kind of throughout that. So it just jogged my mind. I'm, I'm jumping back into the Ravens now. Um, Josh Oliver. We didn't talk about the tight ends for the Ravens, but Josh Oliver is a guy who um, they traded for um, with the Jags during the offseason. He's looked pretty good. He's definitely an upgrade as a pass catcher over their backup tight ends. Obviously people know Mark Andrews has kind of established himself as, as one of the better um, young pass catching tight ends in the league. We know what Nick Boyle can be when Nick Boyle is healthy. He's like a six offensive lineman. Um, but then they've had other guys in that third tight end role really going back to when they drafted Hayden Hurst. I mean, since, since then it's been kind of a mix in that third role. Um, obviously, you know, last year they had a, when Boyle got hurt, they were trying a bunch of different guys. You had Eric Tomlinson. Um, I'm forgetting the other dude. He had played up in Seattle for a couple of years. Luke Wilson. They had him. Luke Wilson. Um, they had him in. And then I think they had one other tight end in there, too, who ended up not sticking around. Uh, Macaulay Co- No, Sean Culkin. <laughs> Macaulay Culkin. Sean Culkin. <laughs> John, no, Macaulay is not not on the NFL <laughs> roster. Uh, Sean Colkin came in there, so um, you know Oliver was a different kind of guy for them in the in that backup role um, that they brought in. I mean, I guess Wilson was kind of known of a little as a little bit better of a pass catcher than a run blocker, but Oliver's even I think has has even more athletic profile than than Luke Wilson. So he's looked pretty interesting uh, in these early games. I think Tomlinson, you know what you have in him. He's a solid vet. He's good in the run game. Um, reliable in the passing game is kind of a check down guy. You know, not not necessarily a guy that's going to create a lot in the passing game, but, you know, we'll check down here or there. But Oliver, you know, he's he's acquitted himself pretty well and, and, and maybe has a real shot um, at making this roster as kind of the, the, the third tight end. And who knows what kind of games they're going to play with that spot because um, 
I don't know if Boyle's going to be ready for week one. You know, um, he hasn't practiced at all at yeah. this point. So I don't know how that's going to go. But anyway, let's get back. Shifting gears right back into fantasy. Just tight ends. I knew we didn't talk about those guys for the Ravens. I know Oliver has kind of been a little bit of a fan favorite with some people. But here's what I wanted to ask you guys, uh, fantasy. And I'll give you both a chance um, to hit it. These are some some segments that I'm I'm thinking we might do during the year when it comes to fantasy. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna drop the intro music uh, at this time. <laughs> but I had this idea of talking about fantasy crushes and fantasy fair weather friends. So basically, the fantasy crush is kind of self explanatory. Um, as we're looking towards the season, and it hasn't started yet, it's more you know, maybe one guy or two, if you want to, if you want to do more than one, who you're really trying to get every time you draft, right? Just that one guy, you're like, I, I got to come out of this, this draft with this guy. This is my guy. Right. And then I think once we get into the season, it'll be a little bit more like, okay, who's kind of popping, right. That we maybe didn't expect, but um, is, is kind of really putting up numbers or maybe it was an expected guy. Right. We, we kind of knew this guy was going to be good. And he's just he's fulfilling that expectation each week. And then fair weather friends, unlike Johnny Gill, who was saying he was not a fair weather friend. He would be there till the end. These are guys that will not be there for you. Uh, they will let you down time and time again. <laughs> so uh, I thought those might be, you know, some interesting little segments that we could do uh, throughout the season. So right now, um, what I just wanted to hit you guys with was maybe one of each. A fantasy crush and a fair weather friend as you're looking towards the season. Obviously, we don't know how it's going to play out. Um, but, Carrie, I'll start with you. A crush and a fair weather friend. Okay. So, I start with the crush. Um, getting this guy in just about every redraft I've done. Um, and, you know, it's an early, early round guy, is AJ Brown. Um, I think Julio was acquired. People have been just a tad bit too low on A.J. Brown. Um, I just think that the guy that uh, kind of supersedes the, um, you know, the possible lack of like, high-end volume, um, I think he's just a really, really good I think he's going to make plays all over the field. And – I think he has that added boost of potential upside because this is a team that may have to throw it more. You know, they have some things I've, I've talked about in the quarterback tiers. There's some things on both sides of the evaluation that make you think, hey, they may be able to run in and play keep away like they've done in the past. But that, that defense looks shaky. It's <laughs> a little shaky. And, um, you know, I, I think there's a possibility that they may have to get into more shootouts. And I'm just thinking about a play offense with Julio on one side and A.J. Brown on the other side. Um, you know, we can see a lot of big plays from both of these guys, um, you know, and, and more specifically A.J. Brown. So he's been the guy that he's been staring me in my face in that second round. Uh, early third round sometimes, and, and, you know, I've been grabbing him every single time. So, you know, he's a guy that, um, you know, he's kind of been a staple of my, my redraft. Um, as far as a fair weather, I 
that's tough. I try to keep, you know, an open mind. Um, I would bunch this up and say a group of players, um, quarterbacks. If you're not me in machine um, value with your legs, then I'm probably not drafting you. Uh, to be honest, like my my quarterback pool is a lot of guys I I like respected as players felt like people could draft but my quarterback pool was was smaller and it pretty much consisted only of guys that that gave you some kind of value um, with their legs because I think that I want that boost of upside um you look at like a Tom Brady I think Tom Brady threw for 40 pounds um but still was only the court the QB 10 last season because he doesn't run. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers the same way Aaron Rodgers 48 touchdowns. Um, and I think he finished maybe QB three. Um, but it's kind of insane for a guy to throw for that many touchdowns, but not be the unanimous QB one. And it's because he doesn't run. So, you know, with the Justin Fields, uh, Trey Lances coming in and, you know, obviously our guy Lamar, Kyler, Dak, you know, I want somebody that's going to give me that added upside of, you know, being able to run. So I, I would say just the whole QB position if, if you're not running. Yeah, it's, it's, it's ironic you mentioned Tom Brady. I listened to um, a pod that we're mentioning his name a lot in this show. Matt Wallman <laughs> did with Dwayne, Dwayne McFarland. And they've got a big projection. Matt did. I think Dwayne was a little bit lower, but he felt like he needed to bump his projection up. Matt had a big projection on Tom Brady. I think he's projecting like 5,300 passing yards and like 50 touchdowns. He's and expecting Matt, Tom. Matt was on him last year, too, when a lot of people were, were down on him. Yeah, they both kind of went through how those first seven, eight games, kind of what the situ, you know, kind of situational factors as to why. They maybe started a little bit slow. Uh, they talked about Mike Evans battling some injuries coming into the season um, and, and, you know, taking a while to kind of get over those. I think they didn't have Chris Godwin for a couple of games to start the season. Obviously, um, A.B. wasn't fully integrated into the offense. Um, and then the last eight, and, and they weren't throwing as much, um, particularly on early downs as they did in the second half of the season. And then that's just like when it, it took off, right? So he's saying, look, if all of those things don't happen to begin the season, right? Those guys are healthy. They know that, um, you know, they can throw the ball the way that they want to now because Tom Brady said he took him about halfway through the season before he really felt like he had a good grasp of the playbook. So, you know, um, it made sense to me when he laid it out. When I first heard the numbers, I was like, ooh, those are big numbers. Yeah. Uh, not like Tom Brady hasn't done it before, but still just thinking like, that, those are big numbers. When they laid out the case, I'm like, those are pretty, pretty solid points there. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but I, I, I'm, I tend to, to lean towards what you said too, Gary, about quarterbacks. I mean, I, I, need, I need some rushing floor. Um, just kind of gives me that warm and fuzzy, I think, <laughs> from those guys. Not to mention the upside uh, that you, you get out of it. Uh, and so, I, I man, I, I really like the A.J. Brown call, too, before I, before I, I kick this over to you, Chris. Um, and in the words of LTD, like I said, I didn't do the intro. 
Uh, I think you get A.J. Brown in the second or third, uh, you're going to have much more than they can see uh, <laughs> in a player if you get him <laughs> on your roster. Uh, but Chris, let me let me go to you. So uh, fantasy crush and fair weather friend. If you don't have the fair weather, because I know – I think Kerry made a good point about trying to keep an open mind, you know, necessarily trying to exclude players at this point. But So if you don't have anybody there, that's cool. But I think everybody's got a, got a fantasy crush, at least one. Yeah, my fantasy crush is a guy who I, I haven't been able to get yet. Um, I had two drafts so far, and I haven't been able to get him in either one of those drafts. But uh, a guy that I, I really, really think is going to just take off and go to the next level is uh, C.D. Lamb. Uh, he's a guy that he was my number one wide receiver coming out last year. Um, he fell into a great spot. Uh, unfortunately, that got hurt, but we saw him just demolish cornerbacks in the slot last year and this year it seems like they're going to be more inclined to move those those wide receivers around and uh, give him some time on the outside and what we've seen the practice clips I know it's just practice but he's just he he looks like he's ready to ready to just break out and if, I, I know Dak has his little shoulder issue that's going on now and from all accounts everything is good so let's keep our fingers crossed with that. But C.D. Lamb, I think he's going to be a guy that that takes that that next step, and and he kind of has like a, a a DK Metcalf here, the the way we saw DK have last year. I think in his second year here, he'll kind of have that that same jump. Um, the the guy that I'm kind of down on more than consensus, I would say is uh Miles Gaskin. Just because the, the situation just it scares me, the situation terrifies me. Uh, Brian Flores, uh, you know, I, I like Brian Flores, but I can see him really falling in love with a, a Malcolm Brown. You know, Malcolm Brown, he's just gonna bring his lunch pail. You know, you know what he's gonna do. He knows what to do. Uh, he's gonna be a no nonsense running back, and, and I just think. Brian Flores and that coaching staff, I just think they're going to muddy up the works. And, and I think it's going to be a three-head backfield with uh, Brown, Gaskin, and uh, uh, Ahmed. So uh, that's – I like Miles Gaskin. I, I think he's a, a talented back, but I just think the situation and uh, for where he's going in the fourth round, um, I just think that, it, that that's a little bit too rich for me and, and the situation that he's in. Akmed was a guy who I I, I I tried it out there in a couple of DFS lineups a couple of times uh, at various points last year. Uh, he he's kind of an interesting guy to me. Just when I would watch him, uh, and I was you know this confirms why I'm bad at DFS. I was doing it just based on film, not looking at his actual opportunity. Thinking <laughs> I was like, oh, this guy looks like a pretty good runner. Um, but uh, that's an interesting little situation they got going. Uh, they got going on there. You, you talk yeah, about the kind of three headed committee. And you got the double the double husky situation in there. Uh, Miles Gaskin and Ahmed <laughs> both played uh, college ball at Washington, so it's going to be an interesting one to watch down there. Miami is a team who I think people are kind of like, hey, we're, we're we're looking for maybe a little bit of a come up there. You got to a uh, better grasp of the offense, looking more comfortable there now. Um, they got some weapons around him, obviously. Um, you talk about Devontae Parker. Jalen Waddle, Preston Williams, if he could get healthy, Mike Gesicki, you mentioned the running back. So 
Um, you know, got 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 some talent on the offensive line as well, and and they played pretty well on on defense last year uh, under B. Flow. Um, once they kind of really started to get into that system, uh, that Patriots kind of style system that he wanted to run there. So their team, you know, they're in the AFC too. So I mean, I, I try to keep my eye on all the AFC teams, particularly those who look like they, um, you know, might might have to might be able to bring a little something to the table. So Ravens don't play them. Um, but just, you know, just the team that I kind of corner my, you know, I'm watching them over there. Um, but I think unless you guys got anything else you want to hit on fantasy-wise, going once, going twice. <laughs> I think over it's, again. I will, yeah, I will, there we go. I will say one thing um, with Malcolm Brown, and it's funny that Chris says, you know, lunch pill guy. Like, Malcolm Brown has to be bringing the greatest down at these running back meetings or something. This is the <laughs> second year in a row that he is actually killing situations for more talented backs. Now, like last year with the Rams, uh, you know, we saw what Akers did to end the season. You know, we know what Daryl Henderson is capable of. But, you know, old reliable, trusted three yards, whether you – Ask for it or not, Malcolm Brown is, is getting the third down work. He's getting the third down work. Then he comes to Miami and, and he's forcing the committee. He's doing the same thing. Like he must be bringing impeccable desserts to these meetings <laughs> because the coaches love him. <laughs> I'm gonna say it's Krispy Kremes. <laughs> Traveling around with them Krispy Kremes, man, and he bringing them in to the meeting room. You can't go wrong. Get them joints when they warm too. Forget it. It's a wrap. Right. <laughs> it's a wrap. Uh, I didn't even think about that, about him kind of playing that same role for the Rams, you know, kind of the spoiler role, <laughs> now being in yeah. a position to do it uh, with the Dolphins, too. Uh, maybe that needs to be a segment, fantasy spoilers. Uh, <laughs> something something to think about. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I think I think that's a good place for us to go ahead and wrap this episode as we tend to do. Sometimes we take a little while off, but when we come back, we're going to give you your money's worth and then some meaty episode uh, where we cover it a lot. Um, shoot, we might even break this in two. Just give y'all two, right? Well, I just have one. Give y'all two. You can, you can, you can listen to one and then listen to the other. Um, you know, get, get, get double for your trouble. Uh, but it was good, man. It was good catching up. It was good talking balls. Good seeing you guys. Um, you know, we've been talking in our in our group chat about how, you know, we kind of want to take everything that we're doing with deep cover to another level. Um, so that that's kind of a focus. I think we all share going into this season. Obviously, Carrie's been doing this thing with all the fantasy shows and is going to continue to do that. And as we've said, hey, people don't want to give us a seat at the table. We just make our own house, make our own table. We're not, we're not looking we're not looking for any any handouts over here because um, right. you know I, I think we all have a valuable perspective to share and it's as it's as meaningful um, and and should be heard as much as anybody else's so yep. and with that being said if anybody does want to give us some handouts we will take them <laughs> <laughs> spoken like a true producer you can see me I'm getting on I'm getting on the soapbox. <laughs> But you gotta have the producer behind the scenes, like, hey, 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 nah, we'll, we'll take anything. 
that people are willing to get. <laughs> you know me, I like to get I like to get philosophical with Chris bringing it back to reality. Yeah, if you, if you give it, we take it. Especially uh, any sponsors yeah. out there listening. Uh, you won't have to worry about me ever talking reckless like that again. I will stick to the script. Uh, if you are uh, you know, willing to uh, offer some sponsorship opportunities, I will read anything you want me to read. Anyway, that said, <laughs> like I said, it's been fun getting together with you guys. I look forward to doing this again more often yes, throughout the season. Um, like you, you said earlier, Chris, the ball is just starting to, to roll. And we know how it goes, right? When they, they kick off week one, it is nonstop until the Super Bowl. So um, it's an exciting time. It's a fun time. And, you know, it's great to have a team who you feel like has an opportunity to compete for the playoffs every year. And and when you get in that dance, anything can happen. You know, we saw that back in 2012. You just get in that dance, man, and anything can happen. So that's always exciting. Um, no shade to anybody who – whose team maybe not in that position, but we are Ravens fans, so it is what it is. Uh, <laughs> again, we thank everybody for listening. Don't remember, to, uh, don't, don't forget, yeah, please remember, please remember, don't forget to like, subscribe, uh, comment, all of that. Have a rolling like she should Show us home is this a way Other than that flipping yay Bella's home and out of jail Put a lawyer on his case Throw a concert for the school Show the shoulders that it's cool Throw some candy on the cat And chuck the deuce and act a fool Man it feels good when it happens like that Two days from going back to- Yes sir, 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 sir. Words you never heard of I push it harder for the Rhyme I feel like murder But hip hop just saved me One you never heard of I push it harder for the Rhyme I feel like murder, but...